Good morning. It's a privilege to be bringing the Word of God this morning. And I do believe, I mean, it's true of every time that we look at the Word of God, but I do believe that this Word we're looking at this morning, this psalm that we're looking at this morning, could be a total transformation, could lead to a total transformation in the way your Christian life is going. It could completely change the scenario for you if this psalm is taken really seriously and joyfully uh, in your life, all right? So um, I just want to pray for us again. I want you to turn to Psalm 103, and I'm going to pray for us. It's a wonderful psalm. Um, I had to tussle to keep this psalm because Tom was going to take it from me, but I wasn't going to let him. I thought, no, no, I'm sticking with Psalm 103. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, I thank you that your word is a light to our feet, a lamp to our path, that your word illuminates our souls, it, it opens our minds, it changes our lives, it takes us from living a narrow life and a small-minded life and a selfish life to a life that's kingdom-orientated, that is eternally focused, that actually brings joy that is everlasting into our lives. I pray this word today would excite us and fill us with joy and send us out of this place, living our lives in a different way and facing our, our challenges in a whole new biblical way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you turn to Psalm 103, uh, I've entitled this 20 Good Reasons to Praise the Lord. And we're going to read it together in a minute. And you're going to uh, pick out the 20 good reasons to praise the Lord. All right. And, um, and, and I'm making us do this because this psalm is a very interesting. Look at verse 1. It says, my soul praise the Lord. And all that is in within me praises holy name. Verse 2, my soul praise the Lord. And then verse 22, the very end of the psalm, it says, Praise the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, praise the Lord. Now, you might have been taught that uh, talking to yourself is a first sign of going mad. Um, I hope it's not, because myself and Sam Fry, from the moment we wake up, we're talking. It just happens. As we get out of bed, we're talking. Sue's putting her head under the pillow to try and blank it out. We walk downstairs talking. We go in the kitchen talking. And uh, it's just how we're made. It's in our genes. And it's like looking in the mirror, seeing Sam. He, he does exactly that. And it's very difficult if Sam and I are together. Because actually, we both want to talk. And it's a problem, you know. Um, that's why it's great being with Sue. She likes to listen. Well, pretend <laughs> to listen. And doesn't have so much to say as I do. But this psalm makes me feel good. Because this psalm says, talk, talk, talk to yourself. And talk out loud, I believe, too. Because the psalmist is addressing himself, the psalmist. He's speaking to himself, saying, my soul, listen to this. And it ends with, listen, my soul, my soul get fed on this. We've got to learn to talk to ourselves. Instead of having an argument with your wife, why don't you have an argument with yourself? And sort yourself out with the word of God. 
It would save a lot of bad atmosphere in the home. You know, we actually need to learn how to speak to ourselves, how to manage ourselves, and how to address ourselves. I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't look in the mirror in the morning. <laughs> I occasionally catch myself in the mirror that Sue looks in. About once every three months, I go, oh, what is that? And realize it's me. But, um, you know, actually, it's good to look at ourselves in the Word of God. The Word of God is like a mirror. And when we look in the Word of God, it starts to reveal things in our lives that are not right. And this psalm tells us 20 things that we should remember as we consider our day and consider our lives. Now, it's a very interesting fact, this, but this psalm, I'm, I'm just introducing, okay, this psalm is a liturgical psalm. It's amongst a group of liturgical psalms. You might say, well, we're not from a liturgical church. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. The church has always been liturgical. The people of God have always had liturgy. This psalm is one of those pieces of liturgy. In fact, we should use it more. It's there for a purpose, as we're going to discover as I go through this. Psalm 103 is about the everlasting Father. Psalm 104, another liturgical psalm about the glorious creator. Psalm 105 is liturgy about the Lord of history. They're meant to be read in public worship to one another. So let's stand together and let's read this psalm and get connected with what God is saying. I better read with you because my version's slightly different. Okay, now listen, uh, just a bit of advice here. To, to you. I, I don't expect anybody to read this drearily. I don't expect anybody to be falling asleep during this. You know, there's one thing worse than falling asleep in somebody's sermon, and that's falling asleep in your own sermon. All right? So this morning, you're not going to fall asleep as you're doing it. In fact, we're going to say it enthusiastically, and we're going to look at two other bits of liturgy in the New Testament. We're going to proclaim them enthusiastically, because we are speaking to ourselves we're speaking to the people next door. We're speaking to hell and to every demon that comes into Hailsham and telling them this is the truth. This is what we believe. And we're speaking to heaven for heaven to rejoice and the angels are joining with us and going, yes, 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 yes. So I'm asking you, even if it's countercultural to your personality, to throw yourselves into this psalm and we're going to speak it loudly. We're going to read it all together, not doing it the way I've normally done it. Ready? You can even raise your hands. Here we go. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Amen. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remembers to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, come on. This is, doesn't that make you feel better about your day? As you look at that, there's 20 good reasons to praise the Lord in there. Let's go back to the first slide. 20 good reasons. Maybe you could shout them out. We'll start over there. You shout out some of the reasons to praise the Lord, some of the 20 good reasons. In the first slide, what can you see? He forgives us. It's still this side. He heals us. He satisfies us. He redeems us. He brings justice to the oppressed. He gives us, he renews our youth like the eagle. I love that verse. I'm going to explain it later. All right, come on, let's go for the middle. We've crept over to the middle. Come on, the middle, down this side. Yes, and even this side can join in. Shout it out. He's merciful and gracious. He reveals his ways. Yes, keep shouting it out. Sorry? He's slow to anger. That's good, isn't it? Yes, he's slow to anger. He doesn't deal with us as we deserve. Oh, man, that's really good. Any more? He will not keep his anger against us. He removes our transgressions. How far? As far as the east is from the west. Completely, in other words. The next uh, page, please. We're looking for 20 good reasons. Ah, the next one. Anybody, just shout it out. Yeah, yeah, just keep shouting. Yeah, just keep doing it. He shows compassion. He remembers that we're frail. He, he takes care of us like a father. His steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. He has established his throne. He rules on the earth. That takes away our fear, doesn't it? Please take your seats. This is wonderful. What a wonderful psalm. And this psalm is meant to be read out loud to ourselves. <laughs> That's incredible. It says it in the psalm. The secret is in the psalm. It says, oh, my soul. This is a personal liturgy. 
that God wants us to remind ourselves with day by day by day by day so that we remember who our God is and what he has done. And this psalm, it's laced with God's self-declaration because in uh, Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, we can see another thing. Let's read it. As we're seated, we can read it together. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Hallelujah. That's our God, like writing through a, a stick of rock. That's what's written through the scriptures, the self-revelation of God, who God says he is. And it's in this psalm. I mean, I, I didn't realize this. We were doing uh, Jonah on the youth retreat, and I suddenly discovered it's right there in Jonah that the reason Jonah didn't want to preach to the Ninevites was because he realized what God would do because he said, I knew you were a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. I knew you'd save these guys and I wanted them to go to hell. <laughs> Hallelujah, what a God. This is the nature, the self-revelation of God throughout scripture. It's the heartbeat of scripture. It's embedded into the, every truth of scripture, the very character and nature of God. You might wonder why I'm very excited about this psalm. Well, I'm very excited about the whole of scripture, actually. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. But I'm particularly excited about this psalm because I think it's a cure for many of our ills. It's like self-counseling. It's a good idea. Read this scripture, you're counseling yourself. And you're saying to yourself, look, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to remember. This is what you stand on in your life. This is what gets you up in the morning and gets you to sleep at night. This is what maintains your sleep and maintains your work. The first thing about this is it's a reminder. It's a reminder of truth. Look, there's other reminders of truth in the word of God. And I'm sorry, but... Well, no, I'm not sorry. I'm really pleased. We're going to stand up and read those as well. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. This is so powerful. Honestly, this is spiritual warfare we're doing this morning. You see, our culture washes our brains in crud. And that crud sticks to our brain cells and starts to give us a worldview that is ungodly and not according to scripture. When we declare these pieces of liturgy together, we're reminding ourselves of what the truth is, and it dislodges the crud that attaches to our brain cells. Very scientific, this, isn't it? It will actually, it's very spiritual, actually. And it reminds us of how things really are. Did you know that the forces of darkness are working to pollute your mind so that you lose the image that God has of you and they, you lose your sight of who God is? 
you lose both. So when we read these scriptures, which we're meant to read regularly together, we're driving away those false thoughts, those wrong attacks that the enemy throws at us. Let's stand together again. Come on, we're going to enthusiastically do this. I mean, we have a saying in the, in the family, it's really good, you're, you're going to do it, you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to say thank you afterwards. Okay, so come on, you're going, to, you're going to do it, you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to say thank you afterwards. Here we go. Right. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. You know, I have read this together with pastors, I've had the privilege of reading this together with pastors in a war zone. In a war zone, I mean, where, where my translator one day, who was translating for me, uh, this guy, his kids had been abducted that day that he was translating for me. He had, had no sleep that night. He had spent the night in the long grass, in the bush, while they burnt down his house and they found his kids who were hiding and took them to make them child soldiers. And he's there next to me. And we read this together with pastors who'd had the same experience, who'd lost family members to the Lord's Resistance Army. As we read this, the tears streamed. As we realized this is warfare. What we were declaring was spiritual warfare against the forces of darkness all over that place. That same movement of churches, starting from five families, planted over 200 churches in the war zone. Glory to God. Isn't that glory to God? Because they had got a hold of this idea that you take liturgy and you speak it out and you declare it as a truth in the midst of everything telling you it's not true. Everything telling you you're losing, everything telling you you're actually going to be defeated, you're going to lose everything, everything that's trying to destroy you, and you declare this, the truth of God's word. That's spiritual warfare, folks. Do you realize you're in a war? You're in a war zone. I'm in a war zone. There's a war zone right now over this town. And many Christians are just like this. Sleeping in the war zone. It's not a time for sleeping. It's a time for declaring. Declaring the truth. As we declare the truth, we put the enemy at bay. We push him back. And we bring the kingdom of God into the place where we are. We've got one more we want to read. I'm just trying to show you that the New Testament has these liturgies built into it that the early church declared together as part of their warfare and their persecution as they were getting taken and locked up. They used these words. So let's go 
to the next, uh, the next slide, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Colossians 1, 15 to 20, yes, we're there. <laughs> Let's declare this together about Jesus. Are you ready? <laughs> One, two, three. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Hallelujah. That's what we're about this morning. Declaring truth, does your soul good? Please take a seat. It feeds our soul. It builds our soul. When describing the armor in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. As we declare the word of God out loud, Actually, it cuts through impossible barriers, impossible thoughts, impossible condemnation, impossible feelings of, well, it's working for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Then you declare this. You think, oh, no, it really does work for me too. You start to realize the word of God transforms. As Paul says in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing. That's a, a process. That's a process. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our thinking needs to be changed. We need to be reminded. You might think, why do we do communion so often? Communion is another thing that we do that is like a liturgy. And as we do it, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. You may think, how could we ever forget the cross of Christ? But we do. And the impact of the cross, we lose it sometimes. Have you ever noticed this? I've really noticed this. When we sing songs about the cross of Christ and what the blood of Christ has done, and what his death and resurrection has accomplished, I am jumping off my seat. Have you ever noticed that for yourself? Those songs change the atmosphere of the worship. They put us on a warfare footing. They come against all the lies the devil tells us. And they remind us of the word of God, the proclamation of the truth. They help us persevere. They wash off the rubbish. There's an authority in the word of God that is just part of being the word of God. There's an innate authority of the word of God that when we declare it, it breaks through the heavenlies and opens our heart. 
You know, C.H. Spurgeon said this. He was preaching on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. He said this. Defend the Bible? I'd sooner defend a lion. You don't defend the Bible. You open its cage and let it roar. Hallelujah. Let these scriptures, as you go for your week, turn back to these scriptures. Read them again over your life so that you grasp these truths that change your life. Point number two. Point number two. I've been rehabilitated. Have you been rehabilitated? Actually, I should be confessing it with humility. <laughs> I've been rehabilitated because I wasn't going the right speed in a speed limit, and a camera caught me. I had a choice. I could either pay the fine, or I could go and be rehabilitated in my driving. I went with a very bad attitude. I didn't want the points on my license. <laughs> but as I sat through what they taught on the course about how to drive in our country, I had to repent. It changed my whole view I realize as they talk through the stories of what happens when you hit an adult at 40 miles an hour compared to what happens to that person when you hit them at 30, what happens when you hit them at 20 and at 10. And I realized I could end up being a murderer, breaking the speed limit. Sorry, you're feeling bad now. <laughs> but it's true. It changed my thinking these scriptures that we're meant to read to each other and meant to meditate on and meant to encourage our souls with, they rehabilitate our lives. They remind us of why we're alive. They remind us of what we're doing with our lives. They remind us of eternity and an eternal perspective. perspective. And they, this is very important, please get this, they change our habits they change our habits from bad habits to good habits. Praise the Lord. I want more of God's good habits to rule my life. There's a wonderful little book. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's written by a guy called Watchman Nee, an underground Chinese pastor some years back, many years back, actually. And this guy was speaking about Ephesians, and it is really what I'm talking about. He breaks Ephesians into three sections. He says the first section, right up to chapter 4, verse 1, is about sitting under the truth of what God has done in eternity and on this earth. Wonderful truths about the love of God, how wide it is. The first 15 verses has another list of 15 benefits of being a child of God. It, it actually is wonderful truth to sit under. And his, his idea was this. Unless we sit under the truth, we will not have the authority to walk before men or stand against the devil. And he summarized the whole book of Ephesians in that way. Unless we sit under the truth, we will not have the authority to walk before men or to stand against the devil. 
And as we allow this truth to permeate our lives, it gives us the authority to live differently. Let's read some of the ways in which he says we should live differently. It'd be really good to look at Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Ephesians 5, 15. Oh, it's there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, look carefully then. See, it, it starts at Ephesians 4, verse 1, where it talks about having a work, a walk that is worthy of the Lord's calling on our lives. But later on, he goes on to say, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time or making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand the first part of the book. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. What we've been doing this morning in psalms, <laughs> we did that, in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hallelujah! As we've been reading the word to one another, as we've been declaring it to one another, we're doing exactly what the New Testament says we should do. That's how we'll get the authority to walk in our Christian walk and to stand against the enemy as we go through life. Lastly, it revives our faith. As we declare these scriptures and read these special scriptures that are there for us to declare over one another, it breathes life into us. I had this verse, I had it for our prayer meeting yesterday as we went out, and I believe it's for us at this moment, this morning, as a church. Listen to this. Habakkuk 3, verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let me read it again over us. Because I think it's an instruction to us. It's what Habakkuk wrote. He says, I've heard, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Amen for our nation. Amen for our culture. Amen for our government. Do those things again, Lord. God's word is spirit-breathed, and it's a word for us. Now, I'll finish with a footnote. I have got a footnote at the bottom, and it's for people uh, my age and older and people who feel like they're much older. <laughs> because <laughs> you can feel that even when you're quite young <laughs> on a bad day. <laughs> it, this psalm, I believe, is particularly addressing people of our age. I, I've really got good reason for saying that. 
It does talk about verse 5. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. And then later on, he talks about uh, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows what we're made of, remembering that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and it place remembers it no more. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren, in my version it says, the children's children. I think there's a hint in this psalm that older people take note of what's being said here. As you get older, you can get more cynical. Hear me, please. I'm speaking humbly to my age group and to myself. As you get older, you can get more cynical. You know, the eagle is mentioned. Do you know, did you know, I've looked this up, I've read it through. Do you know that eagle molts about a third of its feathers? As it gets older, it molts feathers and replaces them with brand new feathers. In the articles that I read, they showed pictures of the old feathers, worn and battered, sections nipped out, tips missing, grey, Grey. And looking like they're not much use. And then it showed the new feathers that are produced. The new feathers glistening, brightly coloured, totally intact, fully functional. When the eagle goes through the moat, it's very vulnerable. Did you know that? That's a big bird that carries its prey. How on earth is it going to work? when its feathers are getting tattered and destroyed. And what, how is it going to work when those feathers drop out? And it's functioning on two-thirds now of the old feathers. But the new feathers are coming. And the new feathers give it a new agility, a new power, a new strength that it never knew it had being renewed like the eagle. May God teach us as older people to be renewed in the presence of the Lord, to stay young in our hearts, not to become old and cynical. And we've seen that before, so we know that's not going to work. Don't let's be like that. To be so critical, seeing things in our day, that would never have happened in the church. Oh, it did. That's why the church is in such a mess today. Do you know, I, it's my greatest regret. I feel our generation, under our God, the church declined in this country like no other period in history. Under our God. So let's not get too proud. We need to be renewed in our walk with God and to really soar and get strength from heaven. You know, we've got the money, generally. And if God gives us health, we can go anywhere and do anything. And we do have wisdom. 
You know, if you bang your head on the wall so many times, you learn not to do it. <laughs> We've got that sort of wisdom. <laughs> we have learnt through many a valley not to enter that valley again. We have things to say and things to do. We're an energy in the church that the church needs. We cannot survive without. You know, retiring is a very interesting thing. I was retired yesterday. My car needed two new tires. <laughs> older folk, people my age and older and who feel our age, get retired. You can't do what you used to do, but you do need new tires from the Lord. As you get retired, you can still do more things, but with different tires, different things, because it's a different phase of life. If you go to Canada, when it's snowing, you can be prosecuted by the police if you have on the wrong tires. You've got to put on snow tires to manage the snow. We need those new tires from God to manage this phase of life, but to still get traction and move forward and be renewed in the Spirit of God. It's not a word of admonition, it's just a word of encouragement. It's a word of, come on, guys. We're not finished yet. <laughs> when the last breath goes, we're finished. But until then, we're okay. Psalm, let the scripture have the last word. Psalm 92. We're going to finish with this. Psalm 92. Honestly, my son says, I'm good at saying we're going to finish. <laughs> not so good at finishing. Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15. The righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare, the Lord is just. He's my rock. There's no unrighteousness in him. Hallelujah. And then if we go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody. Then he spent 40 years as a nobody. Then he spent 40 years leading and serving everybody. Let's stand together. Father God, thank you for these psalms. Thank you for these scriptures. Teach us to declare those scriptures to ourselves. 
to my soul so that my strength is renewed like the eagles and I press on to bear fruit whatever age I am. May we see a break in of your power in these days like you've done of old do it again in our time deliver us from cynicism and negativity keep us focused on the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the victories of his word in Jesus name Amen God really bless you